Welcome to Spirited Word. By God's Word proclaimed, the Holy Spirit works faith in God's grace in Jesus, when and where He pleases. Sermons by Pastor Adrian Kitson, Lutheran Church of Australia. Today's first Bible reading, the Old Testament reading, comes from Jeremiah chapter 20, verses 7 to 13. Jeremiah struggles with his calling. You deceived me, Lord, and I was deceived. You overpowered me and prevailed. I am ridiculed all day long. Everyone mocks me. Whenever I speak, I cry out, proclaiming violence and destruction. So the word of the Lord has brought me insult and reproach all day long. But if I say I will not mention his word or speak any more in his name, his word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. I hear many whispering, terror on every side. Denounce him. Let's denounce him. All my friends are waiting for me to slip, saying, perhaps he will be deceived. Then we will prevail over him and take our revenge on him. But the Lord is with me like a mighty warrior, so my persecutors will stumble and not prevail. They will fail and be thoroughly disgraced. Their dishonour will never be forgotten. Lord Almighty, You who examine the righteous and probe the heart and mind, let me see your vengeance on them, for to you I have committed my cause. Sing to the Lord, give praise to the Lord. He rescues the life of the needy. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Have you ever taken a job and um, you thought it was within your limits and your capabilities and it'll all be good, only to find out three weeks in that it's way harder than you ever thought possible and it's actually brought you to the edge of your limits. Have you ever bought a new tractor thinking that it was a lovely, bright, shiny colour only to find out it's been nothing but trouble for the last three years? Have you ever taken a, a subject in year 11 or 12 that you thought was going to be a winner it's going to be easier, just, you know, turn up and get the, get the old SACE marks, it's all good. And it turned out to be really hard and really challenging and testing, so you'd want to give up. Any of those things, this, my friends, is Jeremiah the prophet. He has a crisis of vocation. So the word of the Lord has brought me insult and reproach every single day of the week. But, this is what makes it worse, if I say to myself, I will not mention his word or speak any more in his name to anyone, his word is in my heart like a fire. Shut up, even in my structure, in my bones, down to the marrow, and I'm weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. Can you sense the crisis and the difficulty of Jeremiah? And if you can't, I'm worried. I'm worried because you should be able to feel it because it's you. We have a fire in our belly 
to speak and live the best news a human being can ever hear, hope all day long, all of life long, but so often the people around us don't believe what we say and don't want to hear what we've got to say. Jeremiah lived in this struggle for about 40 years. And about halfway through his time in the chair, prophet of Israel, the Babylonian Empire was on the rise, much like China now in our time, you know, making their presence felt on the world stage. And after hearing the Honourable Penpa Tessering speaking about how things are in Tibet this week at the Canberra Press Gallery, how things are with China at the moment, it made it very real. This is how Israel was under threat with Babylon. So, as God's person called to speak God's truth, Jeremiah had the unwelcome job of, like being a parking attendant, a grey ghost. Nobody likes them. They're nice people. But, you know, he had the unwelcome job of telling God's truth into this really hard situation. And he's warning the people of this threat. And most controversially and most difficult, this is a means by which God is dealing with your sin, Israel. Uh, And his goal, of course, is to get you back to the covenant and grace and peace But this has to happen first. Not a popular message. People didn't want to hear the truth. I know I don't want to hear the truth half the time. I think you'd be the same. I don't know. They didn't want to hear it. I'm not surprised. Who does want to hear the truth about a thing if it's difficult? So Jeremiah is squeezed between the God who has called him and insists on him speaking this difficult truth and people who refuse to trust him and hear him. So he's stuck between an insistent God and a resistant people. Now are you feeling it? Is this you? It should be. It should be. No wonder Jeremiah has a meltdown. And in fact, he has quite a few meltdowns, Jeremiah. And did you know, from chapter 11 to 20... It's one big meltdown. Or actually it's six. There's six long, sorrowing songs. Lament, lament, lament. And they are bold. And they are brash. And we don't like hearing them in our lovely, comfortable Western church. I think we'd struggle to just go home and have a read of one chapter. Would you talk to God this way? Sometimes we assume that honest, or even angry words, complaining about God, to God, might offend God. Why do we think that? We seem to think that God might not be able to handle our complaint or our anger or our sorrow or our grief or our worry. And so, and maybe Lutherans more than anybody else, I don't know. Because on the scale of the National Church Life Survey, we come in way down the bottom on sharing faith. Less than 3% of us actually look for opportunities. There must be a reason for this. 
So we keep these things to ourselves lest we find ourselves being unholy or um, disobedient or um, not good enough or too forward or too presumptuous of God stewing away as the bitterness builds and a joyless Christianity appears. This is not Jeremiah. You deceived me, God, and I was deceived. You tricked me. You overpowered me with your power and you prevailed. I'm ridiculed all day long. Everybody has a go at me. And when I speak, I cry out a message I don't want to tell. Violence and destruction coming your way, Israel. An instrument of God. So the word of the Lord has brought me insult and reproach every single day of the week. So God, I'm speaking and living what I hear you say in the Bible and it causes me nothing but trouble among my friends and family and workmates. You've tricked me into this, God. This was not on the job description, God. No. Being your person in my workplace and in my family and in my community was never meant to be hard. No way it was meant to be blessed and comfortable and calm and peaceful. But I'm trapped. I'm trapped and you trapped me, God. If I say, and this might be our Lutheran default position, I'll not mention a word about the faith and about Christ and the church and all that stuff. I won't mention a word and I won't speak anymore his name anywhere I go to anybody. If I say that to myself, it's in me. It's in my DNA. Your word has been placed in me since I was a little person for most of you. Me a bit later. It's in my bones, as we say, to the marrow. And I'm sick of keeping it in. I can't keep it in because it's good. And it's the truth. And it helps and it saves and it transforms. I've got to speak. I've got to speak. Is this you? If it's not, why not? Ah, the fire of life-giving news. Undeserved forgiveness, reconciliation, a return to peace between warring people and warring countries. All of that, it burns within us, doesn't it? I hope it does. It's like an amazing place that you saw or like an amazing event that you were a part of once or like the birth of a new baby in the family or the engagement announcement in the family. you just got to say it because it's good. But when I do, it costs me. It costs me personally because people don't get it and they don't want it and they don't trust my words. So Jeremiah, he gets close to giving up. How about this? Cursed be the day I was born, and may the day my mother bore me not be blessed. Oh, he's on the edge. He's just about ready to give it up. Now this, by the way, is how you complain. You know, none of this weak stuff. This is how you complain. And please note, please note, this strong talk this blaming, this suffering, this telling the truth boldly is not a lack of faith, as we normally would assume. Who's he complaining to? 
He's complaining to God. This is faith. He's risking it all. This is faith more than avoiding and keeping our bitterness close to our heart. This is faith. Lament is faith. That's the gift of faith. He's believing God is listening and that God might act. That's the gift, friends, of lament. Did you know 60 of the 150 Psalms, the songbook of God's people, the songbook of Jesus of Nazareth, the songbook of all the apostles, did you know that 60 out of 150 are what? Laments. They were really good at it. And I think it saved them a lot of trouble. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long must I bear pain in my soul and have sorrow in my heart every single day? Rouse yourself. Why do you sleep, O Lord? Wake up. Do not cast us off forever. Lamentations, a whole book of sorrowing songs linked to Jeremiah. Why have you forgotten us so completely, Lord? Why have you forsaken us these many, many days? You must have said that sometime. Surely, surely any fair income Christian person gets to those places, don't they? You should. It's normal. And this is not just an Old Testament thing. Jesus of Nazareth, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Psalm 22. And not even Jesus, but after him as well. Peter and John after they let off the hook by the Sanhedrin in Acts 4. Why do the nations rage and peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one, they ask. Friends, I guess praying these strong feelings instead of letting them stew, it really actually all depends on the God to whom you pray them, don't you think? For example, if God is some distant overseer sitting on his front veranda of his holy heaven, watching the world go by, including you, and your suffering, from afar, unmoved and uninterested, like an absent landlord, you know, in a tight rental market, who seldom takes your calls and hardly ever fixes anything in the house. Why on earth would you pray to him? Or on the other hand, if God is an absolute monarch who's in total control of everything and demands your obedient, perfect behaviour but he's really, in your humble opinion, messing up your life and the world. He's mismanaging affairs. You wouldn't pray these strong words to a God like that because he might punish you. He might cast you out. And so you grin and bear it, lest you utter a word. On the other hand, if God is just a nice person who'll bend over backwards to help anyone and never say a bad word about anybody and never take a stand on anything or have anything challenging or even mildly offensive to you, why would you bother speaking to him? Because he never seems to do anything anyway. And maybe he can't. Those three are not Jeremiah's God. Or mine. 
or yours. Our God is a human in the flesh, in the suffering, in the pain, in the cross. According to Jesus, he is real close, real dirty, real hungry, real thirsty, real bloody and really dead. In Jesus we see God managing the world upside down, not with power and command and control and slavish obedience, but in grace, working for reconciliation, for healing, for hope. That's our God. And doing so in the opposite of what we would expect. When I am weak, then I am strong. A bloodied man on a cross, the glory of God for the world. Marvellous. And the reason it's like that is that we don't keep ruling ourselves to death. Jesus shows that God is neither distant or immovable or uninterested or incapable or just a nice, friendly guy to help you with your life project. He's the Messiah, not just a guru. He's the Messiah. He's picked on evil itself and won. And he did it while we had no idea, no awareness, no understanding, no clue. So my message for myself and for you today is we must speak both ways. We are okay to speak it all and speak it often. All of it. All of it. Lament your socks off. He can handle it because it'll save you being a bitter, joyless Christian. Lament. Say it. Speak it to him. And then when that's finished, like Jeremiah, he gets over his meltdown. Speak of him no matter what the resistance might be. This is what Jesus has called us to, folks. And, you know, who said Christianity was meant to be easy? He didn't, that's for sure. But he said it would be full and new and hopeful, absolutely. But it's tough. Getting tougher too, isn't it? Maybe we're finally waking up. Now we're getting real. I think so. So... This is what Jesus says, the student is not above the teacher, nor the servant above his master. So it's enough for the student to be like their teacher and for the servant to be like their master. Be like Jesus, that's enough. Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will acknowledge happily before my Father in heaven. Unfortunately, those who disown me before others, I disown before my Father in heaven and that's the way it's got to be. Whoever finds their life for their own sake, uh, they'll lose it in the end. Whoever loses their life for my sake, they'll find it straight away. Sounds hard, because it is. Simply, Jesus names it. He just names, he knows it. What is it? What's it? The difficulty. What it is to live on the one hand, with an insistent God who's calling you to speak and do and a resistant people who don't want you to speak and do a thing. This is us. This side of the last day. This is us. 
And then these words, do not be afraid of them. <laughs> Easy for you to say. Why? Because there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed, nothing hidden that won't be made known. In other words, any unfairness, any injustice, any infliction of persecution or pain or sorrow or all of that stuff or bad words and bad behaviour against you for Jesus' sake, all will be dealt with properly, fairly, justly and rightly by the King of Kings in his way. As if that's true, then do this. What you hear in the dark, get out there in the daytime and speak it, brother and sister. And what you hear whispered in your ear, timidly, get on your rooftop and get a megaphone out. Maybe not. Maybe not. You get the idea, though, because everything will be right and fulfilled and completed properly by the King of Kings. In other words, Lutherans and those who are here, no secret faith. There's no choice. It's in your bones, mate. It's like a tattoo. It's in your skin. It just, it's there now. You've got it. All those Bible stories, all that experience, a thousand sermons, a million songs, they're in you. What are you going to do with them? You've got to let them out. And you've got to go both ways. You've got to speak long and strong. He can handle it. Do it more. It'll save you from bitter, joyless Christianity and speak of him, what does Peter say, with gentleness and respect. That's what we do. That's where we live. And then to really nail it home, not literally nailing it home, that's for Jesus, but Sharon, the sparrows, are not two sparrows, sparrows sold for a penny, yet one of them will, won't even fall to the ground outside of your father's awareness, care. And even the very hairs of your head, even though diminishing quite rapidly, are numbered. So don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Why? Because you are worth so much more than those beautiful little sparrows. You're worth it because he's worth it. In the name of Christ, amen. And the power and the presence and the promises of the Lord Jesus Christ keep you on the narrow way between him and sometimes resistant you and sometimes resistant others. In the name of Christ, amen. For listening, Pastor Adrian serves at St. Petri Lutheran Church, New York, Barossa Valley, South Australia. St. Petri.org.au